There is a real tendency in the professional world of trauma to push these clinical frameworks that are heavy on neuroscience and psychotherapy. And while there's no doubt that early childhood trauma, especially trauma that happens over and over again in those formative years, does have a huge impact on the brain, I don't believe that we have to get into the weeds of neuroscience and psychology to show up for kids. And I I get nervous that with all of the um, developments developments in trauma and complex trauma that it starts to get a little over people's head and then they just feel like imposter syndrome or that they're not good enough or that they can't show up. So at stable moments, we do make it more simple for people so that they can feel like they are good enough to show up for kids because I'm telling you, you are. At stable moments, we don't say that we're treating trauma or that we are therapy because we we simply aren't qualified for that, but that's okay because I believe that we certainly are healing trauma, one mentor at a time, and I believe that mentorship is magical. That's the theme for January, and today we're going to talk about how mentorship is and can be therapeutic and healing for kids with complex trauma needs. I'm Rebecca Britt, and this is the Stable Moments Podcast. I started this podcast to understand from all perspectives how we can help end the foster care crisis. The overwhelming response was we need to support our local communities. Unwanted, abandoned, orphaned children are the community's responsibility. We must support, guide, love, invest, raise up generations that will nurture, love, and support their own children to end this crisis. So the purpose of this podcast is to build an army of people that are interested and willing to take responsibility of our foster youth and who are supportive of foster and adoptive families. This is the on-ramp for people who want to get involved but might not know where to start. I want this to be a place where community members feel like they can make a difference, where they feel good enough to make that difference, and believe that they can be a big deal in the life of a child. Thanks for being part of our community and make sure to join the conversation in the Stable Moments podcast Facebook group. Together we can end the foster care crisis. Now, before we get started, go ahead and if you haven't checked out our whole model, go over to stablemoments.com. We've got a free webinar there that you can check out the entire model. But I'm going to just graze on some of this today to really emphasize the magic of mentorship and why we don't have to get super clinical um, and we can still be therapeutic. So the reason why this came up is because a lot of times like I get from the industry like that I should be going more clinical or that this isn't therapy or that it's like for some reason it's not good enough because it isn't a licensed clinical social worker or something doing the work. And I actually think that that is the magic of the model, that we need to equip uh, community members to feel like they can play an active role in the life of a child. But in doing that, it's not just mentoring. It's not just like it wears a little you know, facade of just hanging out with a kid, but just hanging out with a kid and developing life skills can be so therapeutic and so healing. Now, Back when I first started as a social worker, way back in the day, um, I was like equipped with all this trauma-informed education and training, and I was sent out to give parents that wanted to give their kids back, basically. They had adopted kids out of state custody, and they 
were experiencing behaviors and their house was uprooted and they just were like, you know what, this was a bad idea. We want to give the kid back. And that's when I would get assigned to these families. And of course, giving your kid back wasn't a thing, but I was supposed to go in and create some normalcy in the house, give some psychotherapy, give some background, like why their child's acting the way they are, how it's rooted in trauma and what they can do um, as some interventions in the home so that they can accommodate their kids needs really so i was excited you know with my little briefcase and going off to the houses and i would i half my time i would sit with the parents and uh really just listen right because they have not had anybody listen to them and they have had like this hard time going through all the emotions and like you know i would just go back to the beginning like why did you choose to foster and adopt you know that must have been a really exciting time for you and uh, then they got a kid in their home and, and what was that like? And now they're having struggles and they're having feelings that they never wish that they had and they're feeling badly and maybe they have shame and they have um, secondary trauma or vicarious trauma, right? So a lot's going on. So a lot of my time, even like the first several months or whatever, would just be listening, which I say to our program directors, make sure you listen because they may not feel heard. And that's like... it we must feel heard to feel like we belong, feel validated and build trust, right? And building trust with parents is just as important as with the kids. So my other half of the time though, I was hanging out with the kid. Like I would give the parent a break and I would just go check in with the kid, eyes on the kid, listen to the kid. How's your day going? What, what, what's your life like? What's going on for you? So hang out with the parent and hang out with the kid. And hanging out with the kid would be like, a lot of times I took them out of their parents' house and we went to the local park, we went to the school, uh, you know, we kicked the soccer ball, we swung on the swings. And I would be sitting there swinging on the swings and like chatting with a preteen about her day and about what boys in the class like her and how this girl was ruder and, you know, just normal stuff. I was like being a human with another human being. But the whole time I was sitting there going like, I should be doing more. I should be diving into feelings. I should be um, asking her, you know, about her birth mom and her origin story and her trauma and her history. And like, I just felt like we should be doing more. Like if I was healing trauma, if I was there to offer a service that like, I felt like, I hope my supervisor realizes like, I'm really just chatting and swinging on a swing. And so I would go back to the office and I would tell my supervisor, like, I'm not doing much. I'm like hanging out with these kids. Like, that's what it feels like. And um, like, should I be diving in deeper? Should we doing, be doing more therapeutic intervention? Um, and he is like, first of all, you're doing so much with these kids. Okay, because these kids have had turnover, high turnover, like in their, as their parents, in their home, the people that care for them have been possibly high turnover. The therapists that have been involved in their life have been high turnover. Social workers are high turnover. So like, cool your jets, Rebecca. You don't get to go in and like, hey, I'm a social worker that may not even be here tomorrow because a lot of social workers, they do. They get burnt out and they leave. And so I'm going to dive into all the like nooks and crannies of your life and all of your traumatic past and all of these things you've been through and have you talk about it, which probably would cause more trauma. And I'm going to basically use you to fulfill my professional needs, desires, and then, you know, 
it, like, how is that focused on the child? So I realized like hanging out with the child, developing that trust, showing that child that I would show up in that like maybe in a year, two years, like if I'm still around, maybe they'll open up to me. Like these are things that we earn, but also like that you are a human. You're a, you're a child that's worth showing up for, worth hanging out with. Like I don't need an agenda of, I thought we were supposed to be fixing something. You have something wrong with you. You have a trauma history. I'm here to help that. And like, once I help that, you know, I've fulfilled what I need to do. No, it's like, I'm here, you're a kid, I'm a person, and we're gonna hang out together. You're worth it, you're worth me showing up for. Like, I would love to swing on the swings with you. I would love to hear about how this boy in your class is acting to this other girl. I would just love to hear about your life and what you care about, and that's enough, okay? And I was in a position of a social worker, but the mentors in our program literally are there as mentors. Like that is your only job. You don't need to feel like you are doing more. Stable moments is just what these kids need a lot of times because they are therapied out. So I have had kids come to the stable moments program with because, because their parents are like, we are trying traditional therapies and they're not working. And the last time we drove to a therapy, like, uh, she jumped out of the car because she was not willing to go to therapy anymore. You have to realize like I 100% am for therapy, especially good trauma-informed therapy that understands how complex trauma affects the brain. I think that going back and doing some of that early childhood work and bringing children through uh, the milestones that they missed in therapy with their maybe their new adoptive parents, there are some great modalities using play um, and family therapy, like the whole unit that are just so important. And the whole time I was a social worker, I did have like a therapist that was working on my caseloads with me. So basically she'd do the therapy and I would do the in-home piece to it. So there are some great, there are some great uh, therapeutic interventions and higher levels of care that I'm not saying at all, like that, that these kids should not have that. I'm for that, but to say that this isn't therapeutic or uh, that mentorship is just hanging with a kid um, and you're not healing trauma, I think that that's false because I think that just as much as somebody getting into the, the deep crap that kids have been through and helping them work through and process trauma and then maybe help them live the milestones that they missed, as important as that is, it is also important for these kids to understand that the world is an okay place, that they are worth showing up for, that there's humans in this world that care about them, that there's humans that will show up for them. There's humans that don't just see them as a transaction, but actually just like human connection because it's valuable, because these kids have learned that it's not valuable and that Relationships are for what you get from them and that they're not worth somebody showing up and that people aren't to be trusted and people don't have integrity. And the whole reason why the world sucks is because they suck and they're not worth being good to. Okay. So a therapist can only do so much. A therapist wishes he or she had the support of a community that would also come along and show these kids another way have positive childhood events, 
not just adverse ones, okay? So that's, that's what the Stable Moments mentors are, is they are the community coming up and showing like, it's not just the love and acceptance and validation and care and healing that you get when you are with a therapist once a week for a half hour. The community sees you, hears you, and, and says you're valuable. So there are at least there's a bunch of ways that the Stable Moments program is beneficial. You know, the developing life skills is really important piece of this and the active engagement in that is so critical, right? Because kids are going to learn a lot quicker. We all will learn a lot quicker if we're actively engaged. And when you do talk therapy, you sit across from somebody and you talk to them. And for a lot of people, that's like a lot of pressure. But this is doing activities, right? and the kids are making their own plans. So they're actively engaged. It's something that they want to do. So their learning and development and growth is, is nurtured by them being actively engaged and wanting to be there. It's a huge piece of being able to have the progress you want to see. So I'm just gonna go over four ways in which mentorship, I think mentorship is therapeutic and it's healing and just really drive home the point that mentorship is enough. If you are a mentor, you're doing enough, and I just want you to sit in, like hanging out is enough in a lot of ways, and you're not just hanging out, even though I want you it to feel that way. I want it to feel to the kid like you are just hanging out with them and that you just love hanging out with them, but you're doing so much more. So the first thing that you're doing is you're showing up and simply showing up for a kid who has come to understand that they are not worth showing up for. Let's think about this. Let's think about the kid that mom says she'll be home and she gets arrested while she's out. She doesn't come home. Grandma picks this kid up. This kid maybe gets left at school often and is sitting with administration while administration is saying like, still can't find their parents. Somebody call their parents. This kid has had maybe um, ball games or whatever where they look out into the, the stadium, they look out into the bleachers to see somebody there that's rooting them on or that cared to comment and nobody's there. Um, so they have learned that they are not worth showing up for. And let's remember that kids don't have the ability, like even from like three months old, you know, a little baby, like there's no rational thinking of like, my parents are being bad or they're out doing something stupid or um, certainly it's not me, it must be them. No, we think it must be me. If I was better, if I was more likable, if I was more lovable, they would show up. So it starts breaking down that worth. So you showing up, on time, reliably, over and over and over again. Again, this isn't like, this is my third time meeting with this kid and I don't know, he still doesn't seem, it's like it might need to be your third year, your third month, okay? And that's really where we see the magic, I think, in the Stable Moments programs is about in the three month mark. And that's why we have a 10 month program because these other programs that are like eight weeks or 12 weeks just are not enough. For kids that have learned that you're not gonna show up or are just used to high turnover, why would they, if they know that you're gonna be done in 12 weeks, why would they open up to you? Why would they show you vulnerable parts of themselves? They wouldn't, they wouldn't trust that it would be worth it. Um, so having a 10 month program allows 
kids to start opening up. And we really see that in the third month. And then we've got, you know, nine, then we have uh, seven more months left to build those relationships. And that's a lot of time to get a lot of work done to build healthy relationships that kids can count on, okay? So if you are showing up reliably over and over again, you start to rebuild an idea that people have integrity and most importantly, that the kid is worth showing up for, okay? All right, the second way that mentorship can be therapeutic or healing is showing interest. So if you simply get to know a kid that may have been ignored, neglected, told they were stupid, told they were worthless, um, that they will amount to nothing, it's powerful. It might be the first time somebody has shown an interest in this kid that feels completely invisible and doesn't believe that they can do anything and is like, you know, just a shell. And when you say, what are you interested in? They get small and they're like, I don't know because they don't know what the right answer is and they don't know what you want to tell them. But if we can sit and we can develop strengths and interests and like, okay, let's look at this magazine. What things stand out to you? Let's look at all these pictures of animals. Which things stand out to you? Let's look at all these pictures of different jobs. Which things stand out to you? And we start to get a picture of like, you know, are you more of like a science kid? Or are you more of a sports kid? Which sports do you like? Are you more into soccer? Or are you more into baseball? What kind of foods do you like? Like just whatever. But if the kid can start getting a snapshot of who they are, an identity that somebody cares about, an identity that they're allowed to have, you are allowed to be you. You alone are an amazing contribution to this world. Thank you for being here. I'd love to know more about you. Okay. And then a kid starts just feeling themselves a little bit, right? Okay, this is who I am. This is how, oh, there's other people like me. There's other people that do these things. And when we can foster those strengths and those interests, then the kid starts to develop a, just a sense of self, but also an ability, a confidence to go, to go out and, and build those strengths and interests. Okay, so now we're, we're showing them positivity and curiosity, okay? And they're developing self-worth and a sense of self and ownership. Uh, and those things start to develop into, over time, independence and responsibility, right? What do we all want in life? We all want, well, I'm just gonna answer for everybody. We all want purpose and fulfillment. Like, I feel like, you know, the road to happiness leads to when you feel fulfilled and purposeful. Okay. And the way we give people a sense of purpose is by finding their strengths and interests and helping them get kind of in that sweet spot. Like what were you born to contribute to the world? Those things are in that guitar you play. Those things are in the science that you're into. Those things are in the sports and let's live in those things, develop those things so that you can feel fulfilled. And that's huge, right? And like you can do it with the kid because how many adults aren't quite fulfilled, right? So it's like just showing kids that you're curious about your own self, you know, you're curious too, in that it's always okay. You don't have to know who you are right now, but it's always okay to explore. It's always good to explore and get curious and develop that sense of self and feel like you're good enough to develop that. You don't need to be anything other than what you are. You know, you don't need to, 
You don't need to be what other people say you should be. And I know there's a lot more than just kids that need to hear that message. So show interest, show interest in yourself and your own interest, and then show interest in the kids. And you are being so therapeutic by helping them like believe they matter. Okay. And then the third way that we're being therapeutic and healing is by showing them how to navigate a relationship. Okay. And this is such a be- the beauty of not being like a therapist and not being a clinical person, right? We don't have to have all the answers. We're allowed to make mistakes. I'm just a human showing up for another human and I get to figure out how, what's a healthy way to navigate a relationship. So these kids have a lot of shame, right? A lot of times you'll ask them a question and they might be quiet because they, or it's very hard for them to answer because they want to answer the right answer because the wrong answer can either get them in trouble or make them feel stupid, make them feel small. So the fact that we can navigate this relationship with them and show them, hey, your answers matter, my answers matter, and even if you mess up, like let's say that they have an answer and you shut them down or you don't get curious or you see that something you said made them feel bad, like maybe you see shame on their face. Instead of like, oh my gosh, I did the one thing I wasn't supposed to do. I caused a kid that's in this program that feels shame anyway. I caused him more shame and now I'm just going to pretend that didn't happen and drive home and I'm going to quit being a mentor, right? That's what we would want to do. But the truth is, these kids do often have a shame response. Maybe to things that typically wouldn't have somebody have a shame response. So it's much more powerful to acknowledge like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry uh, how that came out or how I said that. Sometimes I don't think before I talk. Has that ever happened to you? And they're like, yeah, sometimes. Or, or that was my brother. He never thinks before he talks, right? And you're like, oh. It's good to know that sometimes other people make mistakes, okay? So this is like you taking ownership of your mistakes, but it's showing how we can make mistakes and repair a relationship. And it doesn't mean all is lost and it doesn't mean people hate us and it doesn't mean that we're never gonna meet again. It means that we're in this together and I might not always get it right, but I will always be here to navigate this with you. And just by showing this example, you are showing a kid that that's possible, okay? That they don't need to just trash every relationship as soon as something bad happens because they know the person isn't gonna stick around. No, like you can have this nice, healthy relationship where you guys continuously try to learn each other, remain curious, and admit your faults. And that's like what human connection is all about. I know that there's a lot of adults that could use to have that open um, and understanding and curious relationship skills. And finally, being a role model. You're showing up for a kid, right? And you're just being you. You're being a responsible adult that shows up on time. You are um, showing them what language you use, how you act, like how you come to the world, how you talk. There's just so many amazing things about you that can be a good role model for a child. How you navigate relationships, but literally just how you are. Like, oh, I'm a person that volunteers for a nonprofit and I care about people. 
And just being that type of person and showing up in a kid's life, not only for them to see that that exists, but to see maybe I could be a person that has a job and shows up for kids on my off days and uses this kind language and has an open heart and is steady and reliable. Like literally just you being a person that's a good person shows that that is possible. And if your role models have been people that have made bad choices or have been addicted or have gone to jail or have, you know, steal from people and lie and don't have integrity or aren't productive or don't have jobs or are not fulfilled. And of course, there's reasons for all of those things. We're not judging anybody here. But if those are your examples, then it's very easy for you to fall in line. That's what I'll do. So the more people that are in your life that are people that are productive, that are successful, that are giving, that are generous, that are curious, that are compassionate, that are empathetic, that show up for others, that are kind, you go like, man, we all have somebody that we can think of right now that's like, man, I'd love to be like Bob. I'd love to be like Cindy. Okay, those people. And you can be that person for that kid being that role model, okay? And it's a really big responsibility, like everything that you do in front of, and again, it's not about not making mistakes. It's how do you handle those mistakes? But everything that you do and as you show up to this world as being a role model, it's showing somebody else this is possible, okay? And it's exciting for kids to start seeing possibilities for themselves. It's, it opens a whole new perspective, a whole new viewpoint, right? Like this is, this is who I could be. Okay, so I hope that, that helps. That's just four ways in which uh, being a mentor, hanging out with a kid is totally therapeutic and totally helps heal complex trauma. Kids have adverse childhood events. That's what uh, they are called when kids have early childhood trauma that happens over and over again, they're adverse childhood events. And one way that we combat that is giving them positive childhood events, positive people in their life, um, and they need as many as they can get. So even if there's therapists in their life that's really doing the heavy lifting and the hard hitting work and you're like, well, I couldn't really do all that crazy therapy work that they're doing and that neurofeedback and all of these things that they're doing, I promise you, this is just as important that they have reliable, steady people out in the community that they see that it's not always therapy and getting down to the crux of things. Sometimes it's like just living a life, just going throughout your life and having people in it that believe in you and care about you where there's not a bunch of pressure. There's not a bunch of, you know, agenda and goals. It's just it is hanging out in a really positive, conducive way that builds their self-esteem, their self-worth, their idea that they matter, that they can contribute, their independence, and their sense of responsibility to the world, okay? All right, I hope that helps. If you wanna know more about the model, go on over to stablemoments.com. You can grab our free webinar that we have there. And I'm so, grateful to all the mentors in this program and the program directors that continue to recruit those mentors. You guys are making more of a difference than you know. Until next time.